If you want to open up to Luke chapter 17. Last week, Tyler started a new series for us called The Currency of the Kingdom. And uh, we've been talking about how God's economy is different than the economy of this world. And currency is something that attributes value to something. So uh, when we talk about what God's economy is, uh, there's things that are exchanged between us and God. And in God's economy, there are these infinite resources. And tonight, what I want to talk about is the idea of gratitude. Uh, Gratitude as a currency of the kingdom of God. And I want to talk about that, one, because it's Thanksgiving's coming up, and this is a season of, of giving thanks and being reminded of the goodness that, uh, that we have experienced uh, from God. And, and this is a strange year to do that because it's been a, such a challenging year. Um, but I also think that, that there's something uh, that, that, that connects us with the heart of God when we're grateful people. And so there's this uh, story in Luke chapter 17 uh, that's usually taught on for Thanksgiving, Um, But in Luke 17, verse 11 through 19, just read this story with me. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. It's a story that might be familiar to some of you. You might be hearing it for the first time. There's a lot going on here in this passage. But, but I want to hone in on that little phrase where it says that after he realizes he's healed, he comes and he throws himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. He thanks Jesus for this healing. Thanked is a, a word, if you look in the original text, it's this word, eucharisteo. Eucharisteo, it's where we get the word Eucharist, when we take the Lord's Supper. It's Thanksgiving, it's giving thanks for something that's good, a good gift that has come. Vine's Dictionary has a definition. Thanksgiving, I'm not talking about this word, Thanksgiving is expressing the expression of joy Godward. I like that idea. Not like joy upward, joy Godward. Thanksgiving is the expression of joy Godward, and therefore the fruit of the Spirit. Believers are encouraged to abound in thanksgiving. Colossians 2.7 says, overflowing with thanksgiving. This is something that, that swells up inside of followers of Jesus. We're grateful people. And, and you, you recognize when people are grateful. You recognize the opposite as, as well when you run into people, people who are full of ingratitude or entitlement. And there, there tends to be something that resonates with people when you are around others who are grateful. They're just they're, Something about them resonates. You like being around people who overflow with thankfulness. In fact, if you would just look at the superficial benefit of people who are, are grateful, people that are full of gratitude, uh, you, would, you would read psychological study after psychological study that talks about how 
people who are grateful just experience life to a, there's a deeper fullness of, of life. They, 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 they tend to be happier people and they tend to be more optimistic and people like being around. Just from a secular standpoint, thankfulness is something that people should have. There's, a, there's also a, a story um, that you may have heard before. This is uh, an old story, but would like to read it about this girl that was at college. And um, she wrote home to her mom and she said, Dear mom, Sorry, I, I, I wish I would have written sooner, but I broke my arm. And in fact, I also broke my left leg because I had to jump out of the second story of my dormitory. You see, we had a fire, and we were lucky. We just got out. A young fireman showed up and, and attended to me, and when he saw the blaze, he, he ran in and rescued a bunch of people. He was so heroic. Uh, those, they, were, they were there in minutes, and, and then they took me to the hospital. And, and then in the hospital, this fireman came and saw me, his name's Paul, and he would come and check on me every single day. We started talking, and I, now that I'm, I'm healed and I got out, I wanted to let you know that I actually moved in with him. And uh, he's been so nice, and I have to admit, I should have told you this earlier, but I'm actually pregnant. And we're going to get married as soon as Paul goes through a divorce. And I, I hope things are fine at home. I, I'm really doing well here, and when I get a chance, I'll write more. Love you, Susie. P.S. None of this is true. But I did get a C in sociology and I'm failing chemistry. Just wanted you to put things in the right perspective. <laughs> you can only imagine the response from her mom would be like, oh, thank God, right? Like the, something about like being gracious and gratitude gives us an awareness of, of, of the reality of life. Life's pretty good. It, it gives us a, a heightened sense of awareness of the gifts that are brought into our life. And when so often we, we focus on things that are negative, or on what we don't have, or on comparison. And gratitude allows us to be grateful for the gifts that come into our lives. It gives us this deep sense of, of reality, that life itself is grace. Uh, we, we would joke that, you know, especially in, in our culture, we have first world problems, right? Like, there's certain things in, that, that we get upset about, but really, when it comes down to it, it's not that big of a deal. Gratitude gives us the ability to see grace in our lives. So just from like a, a secular standpoint, just gratitude is, is, uh, is important. But when you look at a spiritual benefit from it, and what I think the writers of scripture are trying to communicate about this deep sense of gratitude towards God, there's something more that is taking place. And the first thing I, I would suggest, if this is a currency, is that it, gratitude shapes the internal culture of our heart. This is where God does work inside of us. And the practice of gratitude allows for that work to take place. When you look at back at this story, you've got, you have these 10 lepers, and uh, when Jesus runs into them, they're outside of the city. Uh, we've talked a lot about leprosy, and, and if you are familiar with scripture, you know uh, how, how gnarly leprosy can be. Just as a, a, a physical sickness, there's, there's different types of leprosy. Often it could be a skin disease, um, one of the most well-knowns is called Hansen's disease. Don't Google it, but it's, it's, you get these ulcers on the outside of your body. Um, it creates this terrible stench. No one wants to be around you, um, obviously, and it, it can kill you, and it takes about 10 years. There's a, another type of, of leprosy that, that it creates a loss of sensation um, with your nerve trunks, and they're affected, and your muscles waste away, and... Uh, and, and that is, is gnarly as well. There, there's a, if, if, especially in this 
time period, you get leprosy and you're done. There's, there's no cure back then, and you don't really understand what this physical thing is. I mean, we think about like the world we live in today with all of our medical uh, technology and knowledge, and there's still things that just confound us. Imagine the first century in Jesus's world, you get this skin disease. Oh my goodness, what, what have you done to get this? And you're doomed. You're ab- there's this despair for people who are lepers this, that comes from this physical sickness. And then more than that, there's, there's the social the, the social death that they experience. There's a, there's a historian named Josephus that talks about leprosy, and he says, uh, lepers were treated as they were, in effect, already dead. The law prescribed that they would be cut out from society, including family, and they would wear coverings, and they would shout, unclean, unclean, and some uh, say that they would have to keep 50 feet away from others. This is like social distancing to the max, right? If you are a leper, you're considered the walking dead, the life of despair that you would have, you would be in, in touch with your brokenness and your suffering. And when they see Jesus coming, they cry out to him. I don't know if they, they, they know, maybe they've heard this is a healer. Maybe there's something deep inside of them that is, is crying out for help. And, and whatever it is, they, they cry out, Jesus, have pity on us. And what we find is that he says, go show yourself to the priests. And they're cleansed. It's also interesting that one of them is a Samaritan because if you, you know that he's traveling on this road, the Jews and Samaritans, they don't, they don't get along. They don't associate with each other. And yet they're all in this group together because they're suffering from this skin disease. And that's a sermon for another day, how suffering tends to unite people who typically would have social boundaries between them. These guys are all together. And Jesus looks at them and says, go and show yourself to the priest and be cleansed. The Samaritan would obviously go a different way than the Jewish lepers. But as they're on their way, it says that they're healed. And he recognizes that. And the Samaritan of all of them comes back, falls at Jesus' feet. Verse 17, Jesus says, Weren't all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Another translation might say, Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has saved you. The Samaritan comes back falls at Jesus' feet with gratitude and gives thanks. And something interesting happens. See, in the story, all ten of these lepers are cleansed, but only one of them is made whole. Only one of them is made well. There's something deeper going on here in the work of the heart. Jesus heals these lepers on the outside, their external, the physical. He heals what this would have meant for them socially, being separated from their friends and family. And then this Samaritan comes back, and we find that something else happens inside of his heart that is, that is healed. He's made whole. Gratitude shapes the internal culture of our heart. Connects us with God. N.T. Wright, commenting on this passage, says, We know with our hearts, if we have any Christian faith at all, that our God is the giver of all things. There's this awareness of his goodness, of what he does. Every mouthful of food we take, every breath of air that we inhale, every note of music that we hear, every smile on the face of a friend, 
child or spouse, all that and a million things more are good gifts from his generosity. The world didn't need to be like this. It could have been far more drab. It's a good British word. Far more drab. Of course, we have often made it dull and lifeless, but even there, God can spring surprises. Gratitude shapes the internal culture of our heart. When we place ourselves at the feet of Jesus, grateful and acknowledging that life is a gift, that salvation is from him, that he's good, that he's brought these things into our life, there's work that takes place inside of us. Jesus tells the leper to get up or to rise, and for the early Christians, they would hear that word and only think of resurrection. This is this moment of transformation for this leper where he's made whole. Gratitude is a way of shaping that internal culture, what's going on inside of us, and I think that's important because gratitude also shapes the external culture of our community. It shapes the external culture of the people that we come into contact with every single day. Do you love being around people that are entitled? Do you love being around people who uh, are just, that grumble about things? Gratitude is something that is, is, is compelling in community. People who are grateful, people who are able to acknowledge life as a gift. There's a book that read a couple years back by Christine Pohl called Living Into Community, and I feel like every time for Thanksgiving it rolls around, I read this passage, and you've probably read, heard me read this passage before, and it's one of those passages that I think is, is just so essential to understanding what gratitude does in the midst of community. So if you've heard this, it's good. This is like something we need to come back to every single year. But Christine Pohl points out that this story of the Old Testament is God doing things for his people, delivering them from the Egyptians, delivering them from all their enemies, delivering from this and that. And every single time it would just seem like they would, they would have this gift of salvation and freedom and they take it for granted and then they move into this cycle of not just being free, happy, taking it for granted, to completely forgetting, becoming entitled and grumbling against God again and again. And it seems like there's just this constant pattern with God's people. And Christine Pohl starts to talk about this idea of how gratitude, uh, gratitude, it shapes the internal culture of our heart and the, inter- the external culture of the people around us, and it's compelling and contagious. She says this in our communities, in gratitude, the opposite of gratitude, ingratitude, takes a deadly form, grumbling and complaint, directed at God or others. In the familiar story of Exodus, the children of Israel experience a series of extraordinary miracles in the rescue of Egypt, but soon they find themselves stuck in the wilderness with the, they, where they grumble and they remember inaccurately, and they take a posture of complaint against God and Moses. They remember their previous situation in Egypt as better than it was. And they do not see the benefits they are receiving in the midst of a difficult situation. But even more problematic, their murmuring reflects a breaking of their covenantal bond with their God, who has rescued them and provided for them. Grumbling is highly contagious within communities. An occasional complaining and dissatisfaction can become a way of life. Complaint is often overgeneralized, and soon everything seems unsatisfactory, while gratitude makes us more sensitive to the gifts that other people bring into our lives. Discontent blinds us to what we've been given. Gratitude begins with paying attention, with noticing the goodness, the beauty, the grace around us. 
the practice of gratitude becomes more central to our communities when we stop feeding the cycles of complaint and orient our lives around praise and testimony and thanks. Our communities flourish when we regularly tell stories of God's faithfulness and goodness and when we find opportunities to express gratitude and celebrate the gifts that we have received because of God's grace and work in bringing it together in Christ and in building our congregations, we are able to participate in congregational life, not as demanders, but as thankful recipients. Well, that's a mouthful, right? That's a lot. Gratitude has this way of shaping the external culture around us. And it's compelling and it's contagious and communities flourish when people are full of gratitude. I think this is why Paul says, may gratitude flow out of you. It's compelling. The last thing is that gratitude is compelling as a witness of our story of Jesus, the gospel story. Gratitude is one of the most compelling witnesses of the gospel of Jesus. For this leper, he's in complete despair physically. He's separated from his family. But he's been healed. And he comes to Jesus because he's grateful for that new life. There's other places in scripture and the gospel of John where a man is blind and Jesus heals him from his blindness and everyone's asking him and trying to figure out what happened, who did this, how did he do this? And he's like, I don't know, I don't know. All I know is that I was blind, but now I can see. There's this compelling witness when we tell the story of what Jesus has done for us in ways that are grateful. I'm a huge fan of hiking Camelback Mountain. Um, I tried to do it uh, once a week. Now that it's cooling off, it's a lot easier to get up and down Camelback Mountain. Um, but one of the, as you walk, walk and hike Camelback over and over again, it all becomes a blur. Like it's every single time, it's this, just the same thing. But there's one time where I hiked it that sticks out in my mind um, that I'll never forget. And I always feel like, I mean, something about Camelback Mountain feels holy to me, but that's probably not good theology. But I, I love, it's a sacred space for me. But there was one time I was hiking and there was, if you've ever hiked Camelback Mountain, um, it's a race to the top. It's like this unspoken, everyone's trying to beat the person that started next to them. And as you're hiking and you look back and you see people coming, you can't let them catch you. If you're hiking and you see people ahead of you, you're like trying to catch them. And so it's like this race to the top, which is super fun. And there's always tons of people on the mountain. But I remember one time specifically, there was this older gentleman. I should, shouldn't say older, because he was, he was older than me. He was probably in his early 50s. And he was flying up the mountain. And as he was flying up the mountain, I saw him coming. And I was like, he looks like a marathon runner. Like, I'm going to see if I could beat this guy. So I take off, and I'm going as fast as I can. And he just keeps closing in on me. And I exhaust myself. And so as he catches up with me, he's like, hey, man, you doing OK? I'm like, yes. Like, I'm fine. You know, he's like, you want water? I'm like, I've got some. And like, we have this like really quick, he goes, boom, takes off. And, and we're so close to the top. And so I finally get up to the top of the mountain. I reach to the top and he's there and he's just like hanging out and smiles at me. And I'm like, oh, great job, man. Yeah, you do this often? I, I haven't done it in a long time. Like, it's like whenever you play golf, you're like, I haven't played in forever, so forgive me. Uh, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I, I do this once a week, actually. I'm like, oh, cool, that, wow, yeah, me, I don't, yeah, I don't. Um, and he goes, hey, would you, uh, would you want to take a, he, he pulls out this flask, he goes, would you like to take a shot of tequila with me? And I was like, are you serious? And he's like, 
yeah, man, want to take a shot of tequila? And I was like, no, <laughs> no way. I just got to the top of Camelot Mountain. There's no way I would, I, wh- that's crazy. Like, I, you're offering, why not drink water? Like, why would you? And he goes, okay, okay. You're, you know, and, and he, he does it and, you know, takes a shot. And, and I was like, why do you, what, why? Is that just like a tradition or something? And he goes, he goes yeah, it is. It's actually this ritual that I have. It's this thing that I do every, every week when I come up here. It's like, oh, man, that sounds miserable. Like, why, why would you do that? And he goes, well, um, he goes, yeah, I, I, I do it. Actually, uh, it, it, it's something that's very meaningful to me because um, I, he goes, just recently, in the last few months, I ended up losing uh, uh, my, my wife. She, she died of cancer. She just passed away. And I was like, oh, I'm like, wow, this so wait, so what happened? He goes, well, you know, I, I was living in, in South Dakota and I had this, this life that was just dark and messed up and, and I met this girl online and she lived in Phoenix and we, we started dating online and ended up, ended up moving out here and reorienting my life to, to marry her and, and to be with her. And um, we both worked for Patron and so we would, you know, we'd work and then uh, we, would, we would come up to Campbellback Mountain and we'd hike in on Fridays and get home and we'd have margaritas together. And, and, and she, she was amazing and she changed my life she absolutely changed my life she brought me out of south dakota where it's always dark and cold and depressing and she brought me here and then she passed away so i come up here i come up here once a week and i do this remembering her and i'm sitting there thinking like i'm a pastor and as he's explaining this thing where someone has died and that person has changed their his life and and now he does this thing out of gratitude, remembering, and I'm thinking like, oh my goodness, you're t- like you're. It's like communion. Like <laughs> this is like communion, and I didn't say that, but I was like thinking, oh, and and in my mind, I was thinking, there's this ritual that this guy does, because somebody that he has met has has changed his life, brought him out of out of the darkness of South Dakota, and his life has forever been changed, and it was so meaningful that that this person has this sacred act of remembrance and gratitude. And I started to think about how compelling it was for him to, to do this ritual and to tell this story. And you could see how grateful he was that his life changed. There's something very compelling about the, the ritual of gratitude. As the church, as God's people, we do rituals like coming together once a week to pray, to worship, to read scripture. We do community together. We take communion together. These are sacred rhythms in our life of gratitude, that are these compelling stories that our life has been changed, right? There's this, the proverbial South Dakota winter that we have been in, and then we've met a person who has pulled us out of that, that has brought us life, that has, has taken the things about us that separate us from other people and healed them and redeemed them. Gratitude is a compelling witness for followers of Jesus, this is just isn't the psychological emotion of happiness. This is something that deeply connects our heart to God. It shapes the internal culture of what's going on inside of us. It shapes the external culture of people that we're connected with. It's the compelling witness of our story. As we close today, as we close, we're going to close with just a time of, of uh, symbolically experiencing falling at the feet of Jesus and giving thanks. 
So Tim's going to come back up here and close us with a song. And wherever you're at, you could, you could stay seated, but to just have this picture where you're, you're sitting in front of Jesus, giving thanks for what he's done. Thinking of in the midst of this crazy, challenging year, the good things that God has brought into our life. And maybe today it's, it's being thankful uh, to him. And that's something you haven't done in a long time. Maybe you've been focusing on all the things that are worthy of grumbling about this year, and you just need to change your mind and come and be grateful. Maybe you just need to list out the blessings right now. But let's just take some time and give thanks to God, because he's good. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word and these old stories that are so sacred. People have these encounters with you and their life changes. We know that these stories still take place every single day. That all of us have uh, things about ourselves that are broken, that separate us from others. And yet you meet us in the midst of our disease You offer us healing and restoration and wholeness. We're grateful. And even in this crazy season, Lord, I just ask that as we just take some time to reflect, as we prepare our hearts for Thanksgiving later this month, we'd be reminded of the goodness and the good gifts that you've placed in our lives. We'd be reminded ultimately of our salvation. We love you, Lord. We're grateful. In your sons and may pray.